0: Hello, welcome to the Milwaukee Youth Advisory Council podcast. My name is Jazzy, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a Milwaukee High School Youth Advisory Council member. Our special guests today are from Planned Parenthood's Teen Council, here to talk to us about their work in sex education. Thank you for participating. Please introduce yourselves.
1: Hi, I'm Raymond. I use he, him pronouns and I am a peer educator at Teen Council.
2: Hi, my name is Liliana, my pronouns are She, and her, and I'm a Teen Council facilitator.
0: Thank you guys for being here. So let's start off with a question. Can you tell me a little bit about what the Teen Council is and what you guys do?
1: Yeah, so Teen Council is a peer-led sex education program. Basically, um, a bunch of teenagers from different high schools uh, sign up volunteer to be part of Teen Council. Uh, We spend a meeting every week learning about sex ed and different subjects in that field. And then we go to high schools as guest speakers and we teach them a lesson about sex ed and we have a bunch of different lessons.
0: Thank you. Is there a specific reason that you like to get involved with the Teen Council?
1: Well, I um, I've always found sex ed to be a interesting subject. Uh, it always confused me why people were so embarrassed about it because my family was so open with it, and I think it is uh, such an important aspect of the natural world. To be uh, uneducated about it seems very dangerous, uh, and can have a lot of negative. It can have a lot of negative side effects. So, I had team council teach in my health class freshman year, and they offered signup sheets. And since I have a pretty easy time doing public speaking, I thought I might as well um, share this important information with other people.
0: How did you go about becoming a member of this?
1: Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, um, when I signed up, it was in person too for COVID nineteen, but. I signed up. uh, I was given a, I believe I was given a resource flyer for the team council email list. And then they sent me an email when they were taking applications and I set up a meeting and we had interviews. But uh, the way it works now is we have an Instagram and we post when we are doing recruiting for the next year. Then we have interviews with the previous team council members and we decide who, uh, or it gets decided who is the right fit for the team council, who can show up consistently and all of that, and who's actually capable or able to do uh, team council, because it is uh, pretty time consuming um, at times.
0: You mentioned it being time consuming. Can you tell me a little bit about what, on like a day-to-day basis, goes on?
1: Well, yeah, um, so, it's not that it is constantly time-consuming. Back when it was in person, uh, it, it it was not the longest, but the meetings are somewhat long. Uh, I believe they are... Ileana, help me out. Aren't they two hours or so?
2: Um... Council meetings in person were about two hours, two and a half hours, and um, those happen once a week. And then, currently, while we're virtual, we're meeting uh, one and a half hours.
1: Yeah. So our virtual meetings are one and a half hours long. Plus, we have monthly um, team building meetings because of the way it works online. We're split up into two uh, two groups: a Tuesday group and a Thursday group. And so that's when our two groups can interact and do some less educational more team-building exercises um, not that they aren't valuable but uh the most time-consuming thing uh, or not maybe not time consuming, but certainly demanding is all of the information that's being taught is so important because it is on a weekly basis Um, And when we teach we have a lot of classes to teach at a lot of different places So normally you end up missing a whole day of school and you end up teaching for quite a few hours in that day Um, And there are some people who just can't afford to do that or don't have the resources although teen council is generally pretty um, Helpful when it comes to that and giving rise and all that Uh, back when we taught in person There are just, you know, certain people who can't make those allowances in their schedule, so we just have to make sure and go through that team council is the right fit for this person and this person is the right fit for team council.
0: Do you have some topics that you'd like really enjoy talking about more than others.
1: Well, I really enjoy any any topic in which more people engage. Um, I've always loved Socratic seminars and group discussions and things where there are a lot of different opinions and uh, a lot of uh, there's a flow to a conversation. However, generally um, the attendance can be, not attendance, but participation can be a little stunted, especially uh, something we've been struggling with on online classes because it's already pretty easy to check out when people start talking about sex ed and that's even more so the case online. However, generally, I enjoy conversations around more value-based um, subjects. We tend to avoid uh, avoid making any hard statements on that for obvious reasons, as we don't want anyone to feel alienated. However, um, there's always some really good questions that pop up, especially around um, the messages we get around sex, and as well as the Bias um, of different STIs and um, recently in a meeting on something we taught, but we talked about virginity and that was a very engaging conversation.
0: Thank you. Do you have some specific ways you go about teaching people about different subjects like you mentioned Socratic seminars. Hey, not sure if you have those or how it's changed online?
1: Yeah, so the way we do it is generally still structured the same, even online. However, uh, the way we go about it is we have material that we present, we have a a planner uh, of questions and things, topics to touch upon, but we are encouraged to put put it in our own words, Um, especially once you've done it for a year, like I have, you tend to figure out what you need what needs to be said and what can be said in your own words there are certain things that we want to make sure to get across really clearly and other things where it's more important to feel natural than it is to read directly off of the script however generally what we do is we present some information and it varies from topic to topic but we try to include a good amount of group participation um, and there's so it it can be such a taboo subject for so many different people that there are often a lot of misconceptions and assumptions that have been made Um, so we try to be as clear as possible during our lessons but we also try to leave as much time and space for people to feel as though they are welcome to ask questions or give wrong answers Um, because oftentimes they're not wrong answers they're answers that can be expanded upon or are slightly misguided. Um, We have a anonymous questions at the end of the class that I'm particularly fond of, because even if we do get um, the occasional shock value question or joke or offensive, whatever, we also get a lot of opportunities to help clarify some very confusing, yet surprisingly obvious things. Um, And so I really enjoy doing that. Uh, It certainly has been a struggle going online. Um, Group participation can be difficult. In general, Um, there are some classes back last year, um, that just never rose raised their hand or anything. But there used to be a sort of pressure in the silence of, okay, well, nobody's saying something, I guess I should say something. And that has disappeared definitely. um, As we've transitioned online it's a lot easier just to open up a new tab and start watching YouTube if nothing's happening. So we've had to make certain compromises in the amount of class participation we require just to keep things moving and to keep the information flowing. Uh, and that has been a struggle. I've noticed, especially for people who are a bit newer, um, oftentimes they can rush a bit because another thing is when people are typing Uh, there's no indication often so you're left wondering like is this person typing a really great um, inspiring answer or are they just sitting on the computer staring at the screen so it can be very hard finding that timing of letting people take the time they need to respond while making sure you stay on schedule Um, i found that that really just takes time and experience teaching the lesson and interacting with classes
0: Obviously, teaching people that you would normally be learning with subjects, especially, like you said, taboo, like sex ed, can be a daunting task for most people, even some adults. How did you get the confidence to go about it?
1: Uh, I'm not super sure I am the best person to ask about this because uh, I've been often asked how I've found the amount of confidence I have. Uh, I, I've always had no problem talking in front of people or doing anything like that. I had a really, really amazing public speaking teacher in my freshman year, and they've certainly given me confidence in my skills of presentation and speech. Um, but I've always had confidence in myself and in what I'm teaching. I was homeschooled until uh, ninth grade, when I decided to suddenly join a public high school. Um, and I learned very quickly that more often than not, the people around you are more uncomfortable than you have to be when you say something that is, could be interpreted as embarrassing or could be uh, require some confidence to say. And once you realize that Everybody's worried about being embarrassed and people be embarrassed for you. Uh, I don't know. I sort of felt as though it was silly to get embarrassed about something so important and something that, you know, really won't matter. I think. Uh, Embarrassment, that is. I think that oftentimes we don't remember when we got embarrassed in front of people if it was something that was valuable. Uh, And I strive to do stuff that is only valuable with my time. Um, You remember overcoming embarrassment and uh, standing out, not fitting in or uh, succumbing to it.
0: How did they go about training you for this?
1: Yeah, so uh, Teen Council, uh, last year we had a training summit where we went up to cabins on the mountain and um, we had a bunch of really great facilitators there teaching us uh, the generals of the lesson and how to teach but more so um, sort of the attitude of teen council and what to expect from the year to come uh, like i mentioned earlier we have weekly meetings they're an hour half long now but they were two hours before and though allow, those allow us to learn not only about our teaching material but uh, about sex ed in general i actually feel as though as a volunteer and as a team council member every time i go to a meeting i learn something new about sex ed Um, so it's not just learning this specific amount of information and spreading it to everybody it's learning this information to share and then gaining a whole bunch of information for yourself that you can share in your day-to-day conversations and in your interactions with other people that goes beyond the classroom.
0: I was thinking now that we know a little bit about the teen council and we've talked a bit about your position in it, if we could get into some sex and relationship questions. The first one I have for you is, what advice do you have for someone who might wanna tell their friends or family they're having sex, but it might make them feel weird or uncomfortable? before having that conversation.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate this question, actually, Um, because oftentimes when we're teaching a class in town council and there's so many people and identities and backgrounds to be aware of, and to me, my main goal is to make sure everybody in the classroom feels as though this is information that is applicable to them and valuable to them, and oftentimes that means staying very uh, objective and avoid avoiding making any value-based statements uh as an educator i feel like and just as um somebody who's dealing with such a delicate subject that is something you need to be very very aware of so i haven't gotten many questions like these and they're very they're very fun i find them very fun to answer um specific advice for somebody Telling friends or family they're having sex without making you feel weird. I think Oftentimes The most embarrassing part There's two aspects to this, right? One of them is to consider What are the messages and what are the prior conversations you've had about that is it a situation where you know, you never talk about it. Is it a situation where it's discouraged, or is it that you haven't had the time to mention it yet? And oftentimes, I think, the I find the best way to approach things that can be awkward and that can be weird is to just express them casually. It's uh, oftentimes a bit surprising even how willing people are to go with the flow of the, the mood and the energy if you present it that way. If you bring it up as though it is this big shocking thing and you apologize and you said you lied to them, of course they're going to feel like you, they've been deceived. But if you bring it up in a way that is casual, assuming that it is just something that hasn't been talked about, not something that has been discouraged or that has been talked about and there's more baggage around that, I feel as though bringing it up casually and trying to remember that um, your parents had to have sex for you to be born or or adopted you but you are the result of sex and everybody you know around you is the result of sex sort of eases it for me at least relaxes things and takes some pressure off because it's not like you're the only person who's had sex Um, but i think generally as with most things uh, when it's appropriate a casual approach is best
0: Yeah, I really agree with you on that and the point of it really depends on your personal situation and there's not just one umbrella answer. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, some people might be in a relationship and they want to talk about, hey, I have no interest in having sex and I never want to, but say the person they're with doesn't agree with them on that and that's not how they feel. How do you think they should go about that conversation?
1: Yeah, that is another wonderful question. And um, I guess I've never had to fully consider that before. However, um, I think the best way to go about that is to acknowledge that everybody has different ways of showing affection. Um, Some people like to hold hands, some people like to give gifts, others simply like to spend time in their presence. And so I think it would be important, I would recommend you acknowledge that it isn't that you are not wanting to give this person your affection and acknowledge that and bring up other ways in which you can share your affection, uh, but still make them aware that just as there are ways people like to show affection, there are ways people don't like to show affection. And if you were to do it that way, it wouldn't really be honest. And I think relationships uh, are built on honesty and vulnerability. And so, acknowledging that, while you may not show your affection in a maybe traditional or an expected way, you are, you still care for them, and you're still being trusting of them. And you know, you're in a way you're showing your vulnerability and you're giving them a chance to deepen your relationship by acknowledging this, by, by acknowledging the the fact that you may not want to have, uh, may not want to or may never want to have sex with them.
0: Yeah, totally. And like you said, it's, sex isn't the end-all be-all of affection. There's many other ways, and it's all about what people feel comfortable with. But a lot of people around not wanting to have sex have religious reasons. And going along with that, some people have a lot of misinformation and fear-mongering around it in general. How would you talk to someone about if they wanted to have sex, but they thought, they didn't know how to go about it because they're religious or people around them in their life are religious?
1: Yeah, that is a a great question. And I've actually say I've struggled is a bit hyperbolic. However, I've certainly spent a lot of time since I was very young thinking about religion and its implications and i've had many conversations with parents and friends and family about that subject especially um and it is a very a very tricky uh subject to talk about because it's so it's got so much time behind it it's got uh, so much values and so many other connotations and connections and I think oftentimes someone's community is so often, so closely tied to their religion, to their church, um, to their place of worship. And I feel as though a lot of people worry that if they do something contradictory to that, to that belief, then they will also lose their community. So I would certainly recommend that you surround yourself with individuals Who are united by a shared set of ideals but also with a genuine personal connection to one another whom you can trust and feel safe around I think personally everybody should have uh, the time and freedom to decide how they wish to interpret their beliefs and um, how they think it applies to them and I think that somebody who is worried about certain religious what was the this scenario again
0: that someone wants to have sex or they want to know more about sex but they're in a community where that's a little bit looked down upon and they don't have the right materials and say they come to you and ask a Talk about it and like, hey, does this make me a bad person or is this okay?
1: Yeah, is this okay? What a what a tricky question to get asked. Um, I'm very sex positive myself, and I feel like if you want to have sex, then have sex. Um, but I also realize that that is hardly ever that simple. For so many people. So, I guess my advice to them would be: you know, are there any people who you trust who you feel like wouldn't judge you for your actions? And, you know, what is your partner? Have you talked about your partner to this? Uh, and what do they think? And then it's really just a matter of. It's really, hmm, I believe it comes down to personal value at the end of the day. If you believe that this is something you want to do, um, you should do it, but you have to be realistic about the consequences. Um, I would definitely give them resources. Um, anonymous resources uh, for sex education and for people who have spent much longer uh, thinking about this than I have, who are probably a lot more qualified to answer these sort of questions. Um, And yeah, I I tell them to find support um, that is maybe disconnected or um, they know isn't going to be Affected by uh, their decision of whether or not they do or don't decide to have sex I'd give them the resources that I could and then I'd ask them Which one would they regret more? Which decision looking back on it giving yourself 20 minutes to sit down and breathe and think How are you going to look back on this decision in the future? Are you going to regret doing it or are you gonna gonna regret not doing it? Um, Oftentimes there are moments and they feel so immediate and so important to your your entire life path, but you should remember that you're going to be you, whether you make this decision or not. It's just whether you think you're gonna look back and regret making that decision or not.
0: Yeah, and as important, like as someone who's grown up around both sides of that and like there's complete opposite opinions and everything, it really shows why it's important that we have people like the teen council that come to schools and are like, hey, this is a neutral ground and these are the facts. This isn't uh trying to convince you of anything it's just that these are the tools you need to make the decision for yourself and switching topics completely he um if someone's in a friendship or their friend is in a friend a relationship and they feel like it's really unhealthy like your friend is being manipulated or they're being judged, or they're just generally in an unhealthy relationship, and you want to talk to them about it, how would you go about talking to your friend?
1: Well, um, (laughs) I feel as though with a lot of these questions, it's, it's tricky because the way I would go about it might not be the way I recommend everybody go about it. Um, personally, I would just tell them. Uh, I've had relationships, but more often than not, it's actually my friend who I feel is being the one who is manipulative or uh, the I feel as though my friend is actually the one who's being toxic. And I've certainly lost friends, but I've also had a lot of people who simply didn't really realize or they haven't had any good um, models of what a healthy relationship looks like and they really did need somebody to just let them know that they might be going a bit too far and another thing is oftentimes we get this uh, in media especially most things about relationships are oversimplified and a lot of times it's uh, toxic relationships are portrayed as there is this person who is toxic and this person who's stuck in the toxic relationship. And there are a lot of situations in which uh, There is it's mutual. It's not bad for just one person. It's a toxic relationship and relationships are between multiple individuals, so it isn't just bad for that one person and I think oftentimes there are people who feel obligated or um Value their partner more and so I would say my advice. That's maybe a bit more in general is to sort of bring up that By being in this talk by being in this relationship Not only is it harmful to yourself, but it's also harmful to the other person um, I feel as though very few people actually want to be in a toxic relationship It's just the only way they know how to be in a relationship Or their go-to but generally uh, not me but my advice to anybody on the street or anybody in my high school or to my friends friends friend when you notice somebody is in a toxic relationship um, it's very important to sort of think about your connection to them and whether or not you think They are in a type of relationship where they will more soon cut you out than they will the other person. Um, And another thing, too, is often you can get upset if you see your friend being hurt or uh, your friend comes to you and they're crying. And often you just want to go, you need to break up with him right away. But by making such a end this right now, you frame it in a way of the end goal is to end this relationship and any advice i give you further is to get to that goal but for a lot of people what they want to do whether or not they will achieve it is have a healthy relationship and a lot of people think that what that means is finding a new person but i think oftentimes trying to Reconcile and have a conversation and see if the other person is willing to acknowledge that the relationship now Is unhealthy or that it could be better is a really good first step Um, I think there This is under the assumption that this person isn't any in any danger of physical harm or um, isn't in a situation where uh, adults need to be involved or Maybe the law needs to be involved. This is a situation where this is a unhealthy relationship, but it's not a harmful relationship right now. And I think a lot of the times people realize um, later that the relationship is unhealthy, whether that's after they get some space, whether they have perspective or time. So before trying to get them to break up, before giving ultimatums, Just see if you can help them gain some perspective, see if you can help them gain some insight, and see if you can start having conversations that are more introspective and more considerate of the possibility that maybe this relationship could be better or you'll be happier if you're in a different type of relationship.
0: I think there's a very obvious and present stigma around sex and sex ed, especially in middle and high school, like with words like the talk or the birds and the bees and a very, I'm not going to say negative, but a very, I don't really want to talk about this vibe going on. And especially when you're in class sitting down and someone's talking to you. Are there any ways that you go about just like getting the awkwardness, start trying to buff out a little bit of the beginning, let's talk about this, this is a reality?
1: Yeah, um, there are a lot of ways I do that. Um, I also find it kind of fun to make people uncomfortable by being comfortable. Um, I feel as though it's very different to go out of your way to make people uncomfortable but just to simply being be comfortable being yourself and being confident in the fact that you're probably going to stand out uh, and how, how uncomfortable and embarrassed other people get, I find that to be rather entertaining, but also really interesting because so many people have been raised to think about, you know, they've been in a class, they've been in school so long, that it's they think of themselves or they want to fit in and they want to they don't want to cause conflict nobody wants to cause conflict and so when they see other people causing conflict they assume that there is a problem or there is um, you know there's something not right and I think that is a, a big That is something that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. I feel as though so many people spend so much time trying to fit in. And if everybody were to just realize that they're all trying to fit into this thing that they consider the normal, when really, if everybody's trying to fit in, that means that there isn't actually any normal because that would mean some people would have to be trying to fit in, but most of the people wouldn't because that's what normal is. So, there isn't really normal there's what people think is normal and what try to try to be normal um... and by being yourself uh... it can be such a statement against that uh, and it's it's really intriguing but specifically that's uh, transgential. Um, specifically about sex i just personally what i do is i just talk about it i I just talk about sex i bring it up I I don't say alternate words I I say penis I say vulva I say vagina Uh, I say I don't skirt around the subject because that's implying that it needs to be skirted around I I did notice however um, when I was when I started high school and the boys locker room especially but just in general uh, a lot of the conversation around sex is in relationship to pornography and personally i really feel like as pure educators and as sex ed in general really needs to start acknowledging and talking about porn more because it is in my opinion incredibly insidious um it's it's really confusing and it's really it's even harder to talk about than normal sex ed because it's not biology, it's uh, it's masturbation and then it's values and it's so many other things. But that can often set such unrealistic standards and expectations and all of these different things. And it would be incredibly easy to avoid if people just talked about it more and didn't exclude it to be this conversation that hasn't. That happens in boys locker rooms and that happens it's so heavily gendered and so heavily stigmatized and it was so strange to me to see people only talking about sex in terms of pornography or in terms of uh, because it's become taboo it's become rebellious and cool to certain groups and that makes it so much harder to talk about uh as this thing because it isn't gendered it's 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 an important aspect biologically and i think it's really important i think it's really great that we're bringing that up more but also it is this emotional experience and because it's been so separated between you know porn and the emotional bit and the biology and the educational and the academic, um, we're we're losing an integral part of what could be uh, not only a really fascinating conversation, but what really keeps people engaged, honestly, Uh, what I think would end up bringing a lot more thought and conversation and a lot more people into the conversation if we started acknowledging the more subjective aspects of sex education.
0: Given that Oregon is one of the very few states in the country that A is required to teach sex ed and B is required to teach accurate sex ed. It's one of the very few states, which is weird for someone that's lived there here their entire life. Do you see any steps that we're making as a community, as a generation that should be implemented everywhere or in a lot more places?
1: I will say personally, I am not the most community-oriented individual. Um, I don't pay much attention to, it, it allows, I think, it's partly what's created enabled me to have such self-confidence and individuality is my general lack of interest towards public opinion and um, trends and all that but also it means i don't have the best perhaps on what everybody else is doing all the time um i think More people need to accommodate for the internet and recognize that there will be people having conversations All the time with anybody they want whenever they want wherever they want however they want Um, that's just a new reality. That's just the way it is now and I think the old mindset of if we don't talk about it We don't have to acknowledge it Doesn't work anymore. Um, because there's so much information and there's so much exposure to so many different opinions and so many ideals. You know, you don't have to search for something anymore to see it. Um, you don't have to associate with a specific type of person to still see a specific type of genre or a specific information. You can't just control your kids friends and who they talk to and expect them not to know about certain things. And I think if there even ever was a point, we are far beyond it, where um, not acknowledging the problem makes it go away, around sex ed, um, especially. And I think uh, it's been proven time and time again that talking about sex ed and acknowledging sex ed actually decreases the amount of pregnancies and decreases all of these things. So, if there were one thing I'd say the younger generation is doing that I'd like to see more people adopt, it's acknowledging every aspect of sex and sexuality and relationships—negative um, ones, toxic ones, healthy ones, unhealthy ones—all of all of it is interconnected. Whether we want it to be or not and i feel as though our uh, the younger generation and um youth in general seem to be a bit better at understanding because of the internet or just because we have to deal with so much now um so much information and so much there's a, an acknowledgement of the interconnectedness of everything and um you can't bring up one thing and not expect somebody else to bring up something tangential, even if it isn't really related, even if that wasn't your intention, that's just something that happens now. And so acknowledging that you have to acknowledge is acknowledging that you have to acknowledge every bit of it that's connected to it uh, is something I feel like more people could do.
0: When you go around teaching other students and other people our age about this. Do you ever get like a question that's constantly asked that there's a lot of misinformation around?
1: So we get shock value, we call them shock value questions. Uh, Value questions are, is it okay to do this? Am I right to do this? Questions that are subjective that don't have a real answer. And then we have shock value questions which are, generally orchestrated just to get a shock out of somebody. Um, and we have some very common shock value questions or statements or whatnot, um, trigger words that are used to generally annoy sex people talking about sex ed or whatever. But when it comes to genuine questions, um, Trying to remember, we haven't got as many this year, so I'm going off of what we had last year, especially. But I mean, oftentimes we get questions around words, around slang and nicknames and alternate names. Um so that that is something that would come up a lot. Uh, what does popping the cherry mean? Or what is this slang is a penis the same thing as a cock there's a lot of different things like that where it's because so many people are so embarrassed to use the actual medical term they everybody comes up with their own word for it and you end up just confusing everybody because it's not just this one community calls it this thing and this one community calls it this thing you hear like I was saying earlier you hear all of it So it gets really confusing when there's 16 terms for this one thing when there's already a medical term for this one thing You know So I'd say that's one thing we get a lot is questions about slang and questions about alternate names Um, We get a lot of value questions around the age to have sex and I think that's very common just as high schoolers Um, We get a lot of questions the I guess the most common question is it is is it normal? Uh, Is it normal to have sex at this age? Is it normal to think about this? Is it normal, blank, about sex? And you know, to me, that is so. uh, That feels like the system we have now is very clearly flawed. If the question isn't, is is it right, or you know, what are the effects, or anything like that? Is is it normal? Not is it healthy? just isn't normal. And to me, that means that to a lot of people, the priority isn't being the priority above all else is being normal. And I always love answering questions that ask, is it normal to blink? Because, um, because I, I hope it helps one more person recognize that whether or not it's normal is pretty insignificant. It's whether or not you want to or not.
0: Yeah, going back to the stigma around it, it does create that question, is it normal? Because it ends up that people do it because of a multitude of reasons, but no one ever wants to talk about it for shame of being shamed for it or again, just the stigma around it, which causes people to go back to that question, is it normal? And a lot of the time, that can be a really nuanced question and a nuanced answer to go along with it. But in general, is there like a specific response that you give to the people that ask that question?
1: Yeah, so there's one very specific response we have for a generally pretty specific question, and that is, is it normal to have sex in high school? And the answer is, yes, it's super normal to have sex in high school, and it's super normal not to have sex in high school, because studies show it's 50-50. 50% of people have, 50% of people haven't. It's normal either way, and that's maybe not the... my favorite answer because I don't think normal is important but I realize that a ton of people think normal is very 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 important and so it's very nice to give an answer like yeah it's normal if you do it's normal if you don't it's all normal baby um but yeah I would say uh if we can say numbers bring statistics into it we often try to um just because it's more reassuring Uh, and it lets us know that we do know what we're talking about um but when it comes to ones that are really really just values-based um oftentimes i just try to bring up and i think most of us do that it ultimately it's up to your own personal values of what you think is right and what you think is best for you um and the most normal thing is for anybody is to do what, what feels right to them
0: Wrapping up a little bit, is there a website or social media that people listening to this podcast or even not could find you on, find the Teen Council?
1: Yeah, um, I don't, I'm not on social media, so I can't answer, but I know we do. And I'm going to pass it over to uh, Ileana, because I know she definitely knows.
2: Yeah, so for um, social media, we have an Instagram account and so you'll find us on Instagram. Our handle is uh, PPCW underscore teen council and so teen council all together one word and so that's where folks can. information about um, Teen Council, sign up um, if they're interested for Teen Council in the future, um, and then we'll let folks know when applications are open for our next um, year. And um, our Teen Council members also moderate um, the Instagram page and create content um, to share as well. So check us out, Instagram, PPCW underscore Teen Council.
1: And then uh, another good resource is Planned Parenthood. Uh, that website has a lot of different links to a lot of other resources, as well as a link to a chat bot called Roo. Um, it's pretty fun to use, and that can also answer a lot of basic questions or give you resources to more complicated questions.
0: Thank you, guys. This was a great podcast, and you answer a lot of really important questions.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: Thanks so much, and thanks for the work that you all do as well. Thank you for
0: listening, and thank you to our guests at the Planned Parenthood Teague Council. This podcast was brought to you by the Milwaukee Youth Advisory Council at the Milwaukee High School School-Based Health Center. If you would like to get in touch, you can contact me, Sienna, at d-a-y-s-i at nclac.k12.or.us. Have a nice day.